Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have taken a short break from our Bible series in Genesis for this 14-part series on New Testament given. We will return back to our Bible series in Genesis after this current series. Thank you. Tonight, by the grace of God, we are going to start by reading from the book of Matthew chapter 5, but we'll read just verses 17 to 19. We read it in previous episode. Now, where we are going to read, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking here. And actually, where we are reading is part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount. And in the book of Matthew, there are five great discourses in the Gospel of Matthew, and this is the first of them. So we are reading part of this first great discourse of the book of Matthew that is termed or that is called the Sermon of the Mount. So let us read Matthew chapter 5, and we are going to read from verses 17 to 19. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men, so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I want you to see what the Lord Jesus Christ said here. Now, the question is, how did our Lord Jesus Christ, how did he and how does he see the whole Testament? And these verses that we read actually give us an insight in the way that the Lord Jesus sees the Old Testament. The first thing the Lord Jesus said here, he said he has not come to destroy the law. He said he came not to destroy the law, not to dissolve, disunite, demolish, throw down, put a halt to, overthrow, subvert, annul, abrogate, discard, or disintegrate the law. What I've just read out, those synonyms I've read out, they are actually all involved, all included in the meaning of the word destroyed. The Bible says, the Lord Jesus said in that Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 that we read, the Lord Jesus said, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophet. He said, I am not come to destroy. I have not come to dissolve. I have not come to disunite, to demolish, throw down, put a halt to overthrow, subvert, annul, abrogate, discard, or disintegrate the law. We are looking at our Lord Jesus, his attitude towards the Old Testament. He said he has not come to destroy the law, but he said rather he has come to fulfill the law, that he came to fulfill the law. What is the meaning of fulfill? It means to make full, to fill up, to fill to the full, to consummate, to make complete, to carry through to the end to bring to realization. And this is expatiating for us, you know, the point we were dealing with in two previous episodes. We can put it this way, that the New Testament came to help the Old Testament to say what it wanted to say more clearly and more powerfully. And I think that really make it clear to me that the New Testament, 
Like we said in, in, in previous episodes, the New Testament is not disconnected. It's not separate from the Old Testament. It is new, not because it is disconnected. The New Testament came to help the Old Testament to say what it wanted to say more clearly and more powerfully. And that is the attitude of our Lord Jesus Christ towards the Old Testament. So last episode, we started going into specific. We are looking at the specific now of kingdom financing. And we said that kingdom financing under the law is often not debated, is often not argued about. Why? Because it is written in black and white. You remember our diagram of kingdom financing. There is kingdom financing under the law. There is kingdom finances before the law and there's kingdom financing after the law. Yes, it is true that when we look at kingdom finances under the law, it is clear because it is the law. <laughs> the law is written. The law is clear. But we need to understand we we, we have seen that there is also kingdom finances before the law and after the law, and that they all are built on the same principle. As such, the principle of kingdom finances of tithes and offering that we see under the law, they were present before, and they are present after the law. Now, again, like I said in the last episode, I'm painfully aware that many will take up arms against me at this point. I'm absolutely fine for you to disagree with me, but let us disagree on the matter of the word of God. Remember where we read in the second book of Timothy chapter three, the last time the Bible says that we should rightly divide the word of truth. So last episode, we started looking at some common and trending arguments against the principle of Titan in the New Testament. And there are many of them. And we've learned few lessons that the tithing, that tithing is a biblical practice that predated the law and that the Old Testament and the New Testament are hand in glove. Now, I'm not going to go to the detail of what we said. Please go back, particularly to the last episode, to look at the detail of what we said. But there is more. What I want to deal with tonight exclusively is to look at one of the greatest if not the greatest, this is arguably the greatest argument against the principle of Titan in the New Testament. And that is what I want us to look at tonight. It is the claim that the word tithing or the word tithe is not mentioned by name in the New Testament. That the word Titan and the word tithe is not mentioned by name in the New Testament with respect to the church. I mean, obviously, the Lord Jesus talked about the the you know, the Pharisees, you know, praying and saying the tithe. And also in the letter of Paul, he talked about the fact that Abraham gave tithe to Melchizedek. But what people say here is that there is no place in the New Testament where the word tithing is specifically connected to the church of the living God. And therefore, Christians should not be talking about tithe. Okay. And like I said, this is arguably the you know, the greatest argument that people will mashah against talking or even the principle of tithing in the New Testament. This argument is the classic argumentum ex silentio, argumentum ex silentio, or what we can translate as argument from silence. 
argument from silence. And this is what this is how the argument goes. The argument goes like this: that since the New Testament is silent about tithing, then we can conclude that the New Testament early church did not believe in or practice the principle of tithing. So we today should follow suit. So that is the application of the argument of silence. And by the way, argumentum ex silentio is a very common philosophical, you know, um, argument, philosophical tool that people have studied. Okay. So that, that is, that is what the argument, you know, try to establish. In other words, these people try to treat the absence of evidence as evidence by itself. They try to treat the absence of evidence as evidence itself. And when you read secular writings, many, many, you know, scholars and thinkers, they actually call this argument, they call it a fallacy because the argument is actually absurd. Now, allow me to show you how absurd this type of argument is by using the Bible. I'm not going to do it the way the secular people use it. Let me ask you some question. Okay. Remember, we're, we're just looking at the word of God. Let me ask you some question now. Your local assembly, in your local assembly, whether you call it church or congregation or fellowship or whatever, in your local assembly, can I ask you whether you play any musical instrument? And you're looking at me and say, what are you saying? Oh, obviously, we play musical instrument. Oh, you do? Okay. Do you dance unto the Lord? I'm not talking about irreverent <laughs> dance. Do you dance in your local assembly, even if it is just a little shaking or whether you really dig it down? Do you dance in your local assembly? One more question. Do you clap unto the Lord in your local assembly? Do you do any or all this activity in your local assembly? Do you? Do you? If you do any of all or all of these things in your corporate worship, I have a question for you. Where exactly in the New Testament was the church instructed to do this activity in corporate worship? Think about it for a minute. Where did you read it in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, or even in the letter to the Apostle Paul that he says that, you know, when you come together as a church, play musical instrument or dance unto the Lord or clap unto the Lord when you come into corporate worship as a church. Indeed, obviously, just like tithe, some of these were mentioned in the New Testament, just like tithe was mentioned in the New Testament, but was not mentioned as a practice <laughs> using the word. Now, some of these activities were mentioned in the New Testament, but were not mentioned as an instruction for Christian cooperate worship. Am I saying that we should not play musical instrument? Am I saying we should not dance unto the Lord? Am I saying that we should not clap unto the Lord? No, I'm just trying to use the same principle that people use to argue against tithe in the New Testament to try and show how absorbed it is. That if we are saying that because the New Testament did not did not expressly use the word tithing with respect to New Testament congregation and New Testament church, then that means that 
the God was a, God has abrogated or dissolved or, or is not for the church. If we are arguing from silence, then we could also say that we should not do any one of those things. Playing any musical instrument, dancing unto the Lord or clapping unto the Lord. Do you know there is no place in New Testament where the Bible says, like we read in Psalm 47 verse 1, Oh, clap your hand, all ye people, shout unto God with voice of triumph. That is in the Old Testament. That is in the book of Psalm, Psalm 47 verse 1. Clearly, the Lord says, Oh, clap your hand, all ye people, shout unto the Lord with voice of triumph. And I'm very, very sure in your church, these are the type of scripture we quote. When we talk about this thing, there is no place in the New Testament where the Bible will say things like we read in Psalm 149 verse 3, let them praise his name in dance. Let them sing praises unto him with timber and harp. You won't see that in the New Testament. But we use musical instrument in church. I'm not talking about people using it irreverently. We use it and we should. We dance, we clap in our worship and we should do. Why? Because we see worshipers doing them in the Old Testament and the New Testament did not expressly forbid them. Do you see the problem? Even though we can say the New Testament did not, you know, use those words or expressly say you must do this. But the fact is that this was part of worship under the law and the New Testament did not expressly forbid them. Now, the truth is this, the New Testament did not need to write this word down for us to say, you know, in order for us to know that they're happening in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit does not have to expressly write it down because it was such a common practice that they take it for granted that you you should know that the new testament was singing they were clapping they were dancing in the church it was a common practice and the spirit of god or the writer of the new testament being moved out the holy spirit take it for granted that the reader of the book that they are writing to, they take it for granted that they know that these activities were taking place again like i said that there was no place in the New Testament where the church or the congregation was forbidden from doing any one of those things. You could say that the spirit or the atmosphere of dancing, clapping, worshiping God with music is all over the New Testament, even though those words were not expressly used. The principle was there. The atmosphere was there. You could almost taste it. You could almost feel it. You know it was happening, even though those words were not expressly used. Obviously, inevitably, there will be some modification to this activity as it is now being done under a new dispensation. Yes, because it is now under the new dispensation. Inevitably, there will be some modification to this activity. And this is my point. Does the same principle also appear to tithing? And I think it does. And this is my point, that if we want to argue from silence, if we want to use the argument of argumentum ex silentio against tithe, then we have to use it against clapping, against dancing. Do you see how absorbed that is? We have to use that same activity against playing musical instrument in church. But nobody is going to use the same argument for these things. One more thing. The New Testament was as much silent about 
not tithing as it is about tithing. Okay? Okay, so people come and say, the Bible didn't tell us in the New Testament about tithing. Question, did the Bible tell you not to? We often lay more emphasis on the fact that the Bible didn't tell us to do it. But the question is, did the Bible tell us not to do it? I will, I will have thought it is more legitimate to argue that since God nowhere in the New Testament forbid the Christian to pay tithe, that the principle of tithing must have been practiced in the New Testament, obviously with the inevitable modification due to the change in this dispensation. I will, I will, I will read that again because I think that is very, very important. That I will have thought it is more legitimate to argue that since God nowhere in the New Testament forbid the Christian to pay tithe, that the principle of tithing must have been practiced in the New Testament also. And obviously, because it's a new dispensation, there will be some inevitable modification. The New Testament often clearly tells us Old Testament practices that has been superseded. For example, where the Bible says no animal sacrifice, not observing a day, not thinking that God's temple is a building and so on. The Bible will clearly tell us that, but we did not see the same in the case of Titan. Let's take some examples, just one or two examples. Let us read the book of Hebrews chapter 10. So we are going to read Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 8 and 9. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 8 and 9. First it said, You neither want nor are you pleased with the sacrifices and offering or with animals burnt on the altar and the sacrifices to take away sin. He said this, even though all these sacrifices are offered according to the law. Then he said, here I am, O God, to do your will. So God does away with all the old sacrifices and put the sacrifice of Christ in their place. That is, by the way, from the Good News Translation. Can you see how clearly it is that, yes, there's a stop here and there's something else that has taken its place. Is that okay? Let's look one more at Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Again, from the Good News Translation. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. So let no one make rule about what you eat or drink or about holidays or the new moon festival or the Sabbath. All such things are only a shadow of things in the future. The reality is Christ. And I, and I think you get the point. You get the point that I'm trying to establish here. It is nowhere written in the New Testament that Christians should not pay tithe. It is nowhere written in the New Testament. You can say it is nowhere written that they should, but I'm saying it is nowhere written that they should not. You could turn the argument of silence on his head and ask, if it is that important, if it is that important that the principle of tithing should stop in the Old Testament system of worship, you will expect that God will clearly say to stop doing it just like he did in the example that we have just read. I mean, if it is really that important, hey, 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 I know. Again, we, I did this over and over again. I know people have misused it. I know people have abused it. But, but a good a good case does not need a bad argument. We must not throw the baby out with the bad water. People have abused it. People are abusing it. God will judge them. We have dealt with that in the past episode. But we cannot use that as an excuse for bad exegesis. No, we cannot do that. 
two wrong doesn't make a right. If it is, I'm repeating myself, if it is that important that the principle of tithing stopped with the Old Testament system of worship, you will expect that God will clearly say to stop doing it just like he did. The example of, you know, human sacrifices and all the other things, you know, worshiping in a day and things like that. Brothers and sisters, what I'm saying is that we cannot right a wrong by another wrong. We cannot defend a good case by bad defense. We cannot do that. Okay? We cannot do that. The devil knows that one of the way, not the only way, the Bible knows that one of the way to hinder the church is to strangle her finances. And the devil is doing that and getting away with it. I believe that on both sides of this tight war, we have played right into the trap of the enemy. And I believe that that is the burden on my heart when I come into this teaching, right? The truth is that if we are honest with exegesis, exegesis, the word of God, you can see that the Bible nowhere stop or clearly declare that the principle of tithing has been abrogated in the New Testament. Now, I've established this. Now, there are inevitable modifications. And again, I've said it in previous teaching. I'm alarmed at the way many people preach tithe under the New Testament. Oftentimes, the charlatans and the greedy ministers, they preach it like they were still under the Old Testament because they want to manipulate people and they want to control them with fear. I understand that. I understand that it can be wrongly preached and it has been wrongly preached and it has been wrongly preached. I understand that. We can correct that. That can be corrected and that should be corrected, but it is not, we cannot propagate another wrong doctrine because we are trying to correct excesses. There's a way to preach tight under the New Testament. Okay? The principle of tithing did not stop in the Old Testament. Nowhere in the Bible are we told that it has been stopped. No. And we are going to see in future episodes that the principle are actually there if we really are open to it. And we see the we will see those principles hopefully in the next near future episode. It is bad that we have this charlatan minister taking advantage of the church. And indeed they need to be exposed. Indeed they need to be stopped. But it is equally bad if we throw the baby out with the bath water. Because at the end of the day, the only person that wins in this argument is the devil. And we end up hindering the work of God by not by essentially blocking and hindering the financial system that God has put in place to finance his kingdom. Now, there's still more to say about this kingdom financing under the three dispensation, but I'm going to stop here today. And by the grace of God, we'll continue next episode. And if you are listening to me and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to do it tonight because there is no other name given among men where we might be saved. Look, look around you. This world is heading for an end. The Bible says that the world was created and the world is going to come to an end. And the Bible clearly tells us the signs that will signal the end of the time. And we are seeing all those signs all around us. Now, nobody knows the time or the hour, but we know that the time is near. 
I want you to know that God so loved you that he gave his only because son that if you believe in him, you will be saved. All you need to do is bow your head wherever you are. God is there. Admit that you are a sinner. Ask Jesus to save you. The Holy Spirit will come. Do some deep work in you. You will become a daughter and a son of God. He will become your God, your father, your guide, your shepherd. He will walk with you throughout the rest of your life on this earth. And when this is all over, you will spend eternity with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Do it right now. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.